can't even tell. As you move through this life, you love so. You could be there and not even know. If you say so what, I'm doing just fine. The irony is that it's all in your mind. And that is why hell is so vicious and cruel. But you'll just go on and oblivious fool. Greetings and welcome to Inside Baseball with Old Chestnut. I'm Liam Allen with Morris Sachs. How you doing, MB? I'm fucking cold. <laughs> welcome back to the East Coast, my friend. What is it, seven today? Yeah. It's yeah something. It's I'm something. sorry. It's, hey, it is what it is. I, yeah, but the insult to injury is the heat went out. Oh, come on. <laughs> In the whole compound, or just the just our well, office? Two thirds, two thirds of the uh, two thirds of the house. Basically, where Mama and Papa Bear slept, <laughs> where the kids slept, they had plenty of heat. Oh, which... At least it's not the kids that suffered this time. <laughs> okay, how you doing? Oh, wonderful. Um, yeah. I don't mind the cold. I enjoy the yeah, winter. I, um, yeah. I mean, it was a winter snowstorm. Um, some people definitely got whacked with, with the blizzard up in, up in Boston. Um, but for us, it was a standard run-of-the-mill snowstorm that they made yeah. much to do about. Um, yeah, but this too shall pass, my of friends. Of course, of course. Uh, well, here we are. I, I found I prefer to do the uh, podcast on Saturday night for some reason. Okay. But... Uh, you know, circumstances being what they are. Um, I uh, I got the impression yeah. that interfered with your social life. So it I did. I, we've I, been we've been we've been busy. So Friday, uh, we had Tom and Jen over for dinner. Cheryl cooked, and <clears throat> by the way, I had kept a chunk of the chocolate babka for you, and you never turned up on Monday. Uh, I would say uh, you could come by because she made her famous cheesecake for dessert last night, but it'll be gone by the time you can get over here. So it's amazing. Um, one of the things is we've really drilled down the home cooking. And and, and when I say we, I was, uh, okay, go on. Do you want to rephrase that? It's, it's, yeah. Yeah. Okay. I got to answer in the form of a question. Mm-hmm. I understand. Yeah. Now we had the uh, Tom and Jen, uh, over, and um, for on Friday night, and then uh, Saturday night we had uh, the three kids, and then uh, uh, the youngest daughter uh, brought the new boyfriend over to meet the parents, and hopefully, uh, hopefully we passed. I was on uh, what I thought to be good behavior. I mean, who the fuck knows, right? But you worked uh, you you work any of your routine into the. <laughs> No, I tried to, okay. you know, Back be lucky and not, not embarrass anybody. Okay. And plus, you know, it was a little sheepish because, you know, there's no heat in the house. <laughs> so it's like coal miner's daughter from West Virginia yeah, kind yeah. of thing yeah. or wherever. But it, it did give me an idea. You know, there had been some chatter that we were going to be putting some uh, merch. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What do you think about an old chestnut robe? <laughs> <laughs> As, as as frightened as frightening as that is, I wouldn't be shocked. 
Well, you, you need Let some tell you, if it's, if it's a good if it's a good robe, um, we should have yeah. thought about this going into the winter months. But maybe uh, you, you get a lot of mileage out of a robe. So I, <laughs> <laughs> these days, I'm getting a lot of mileage out of anything I can. <laughs> Which is why I thought we could talk about Prince Andrew for a minute. Oh, I thought you were going to talk about the copper, but go ahead. <laughs> oh, not yet. Um, okay. well, we got an hour to fill. Oh, um, well, okay, okay. Because I, yeah, I, I just ahead. saw the headlights, the, the headlines regarding him, in which I believe he pounded his fist on the desk and demand uh, demanded a jury trial. Um, oh, I didn't see that, but that I mean that's insane. In, totally insane. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean the, the inbreeding. For for generations, it causes idiots. Idiots. He uh, quit his membership at the Royal and Ancient Golf Club in St Andrews. I'm sure the conversation devastated. probably went like this: It's like Prince Andrew, we'd like to speak to you. Yes, sir. Mm-hmm. You're going to be resigning today, <laughs> right? Thank you for coming. Yeah. Why he wants a jury trial? I I don't I don't know. Yeah. Um, yeah. 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 If I were him, I would just be getting on a non on a flight to a non extra extra well, extra The queen threw him under the bus, so he's, uh, yeah, yeah, he's, he's, he's persona so, non grata. Yeah, yeah, but I mean, he's got nowhere to run now. So, um, yeah, if he's at some uh, penitentiary nearby, maybe we go visit him. <laughs> Do Say the hi. Sh- I see if you can get him on the show. Tell his side of the story. <laughs> yeah. It was my cousin. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I never knew anything. Uh, so uh let's see. It was a it was a unusual week, right? And uh I'm still waiting uh for all those uh consulting checks from my hedge fund friends when I told them that the two year note at one percent was the wrong rate. And when I walked out on Friday afternoon, it was 120. <laughs> so I'd like to know the last time somebody handed me 20 basis points of profit. So. Would you like to name any names? <laughs> so uh, this is going out to my friends Peter and Jeff in Switzerland. And <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, a couple of housekeeping things. One is we got a very nice note from obviously a very bright individual. Uh, that I think lives in Berkeley. And their comment was that the problem with the fish music is that the sound equipment we're using is digital and the fish music is digital and the digital can't process the digital. And I'm sure he's exactly right. And so when we put up the paywall for $500 an episode, we'll be upgrading all of the equipment. Top of the line. What's that? What are those speakers that are uh, that our friends have? And and the BMW. Uh, no, 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 no. But what's okay? And what's the name of the file that we have to listen to it on? Where oh, it's, the MQA. Okay, thank you. Yeah. The MQA. Yeah, we'll upgrade. You've to experienced it. MQA sitting right here. Indeed. Yeah. 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 And we will do that again one day. I hope. I hope. So things in the news that caught my eye. Um, I, I I'm was blown away. And it's all happening at the address of 200 West Street. So DJ Sal, through unbelievable management during incredibly trying times, was able to double his compensation to $35 million, which is just it's just awesome uh, because I'm sure he deserves every penny of that. Um, but yet, 
on top of that, I read something that um, they're trying to figure out a way to incentivize the 30 top partners to stay by giving them more money. Mm. And um, so I'd like to speak to that for a minute. Now, I'm not a shareholder in Goldman Sachs, so I think an attorney would say I don't have any uh, standing. Um, on the other hand, uh, it's our podcast, and uh, they don't like that they can get the fuck lost, and and here we go, right? Okay. This is how it works, and I feel like we're in an area where I have some street credit, okay? I've worked on Wall Street, not just my whole professional career, but the bulk of my life, right? And I've worked for people. I've had people work for me. And I've seen what goes on in these firms. And what the average guy doesn't understand, and it's not because of lack of intelligence, it's just you haven't seen behind the curtain, right? The people who run these firms, okay, they have an immense amount of psychic income from the power that they wield. You know, it's just they walk in, everyone's kissing their ass from the guy, you know, at the turnstile to the secretaries to the, you know. And I, I, I mean, I, I think about these things loosely. I don't know if I, if I talked to you about this one. But so uh, in the mid-90s, they split up the the types of proprietary trading, and I got put in charge of the uh, European trading. And so uh, Cheryl kind of checked out the situation and suggested instead of us moving to London, where I could work full time, that I would commute. And it wasn't great, but I think all things considered, it was fine. And I don't know if I'm, I'm going to really embarrass myself if I told you about this recently, but. Um, my first day as sort of head of risk in the London office, I sit down at my desk and I turn on the Bloomberg. And the office manager comes over, lovely lady, and uh, I think she had an MBA from Columbia or something like that. And uh, she introduces herself, hi, I'm so-and-so, I'm the office manager. If there's anything you need, please, just just let me know. And I said, okay, that that's great, Thanks. Uh, she says, uh, would you like a cup of coffee? I'm like, huh? She goes, can I bring you a cup of coffee? I, I, I didn't know what to say because no one in my career <laughs> had asked me if I wanted a fucking cup of coffee. And I'm like, well, I, how about a cup of tea? And she says, sure. How do you take it? Mm -hmm. like, this was like, yep. yeah, day one. Yeah, was in Wonderland, right? So, uh, that's how it is for the guys running these firms. It's like everyone kowtows to them. They get to be on TV. You know, the young kids are hanging on every word. Yeah. And you know, there's no such thing as a wrong decision. That's the thing. I, I might push back on that a little bit, but, you know, you got a lot of, of room for, for error, right? And so – the, the what people don't seem to understand, and once again, having been on the other side of this, uh, so long career, and I decided that I wanted to go out with my head held high 
not like blowing up and getting fired. And there was a point where there was a really good time for me to exit the business. And, uh, you know, people were like, well, what are you going to do this and that? I'm like, I don't know. I'll figure something out. But what I figured out was it wasn't what I expected. Okay. So when you're a wall street professional trader and you're committed, okay. It's 24 seven. There's, there's no off. And I'm not saying that's good or bad. I'm just saying that's how it is. And if that's what you want to do, that's what it takes. And if you don't want to do it, then go, go do something else. But that's what the life is like. Okay. And so you have this constant inflow of information. So let me try and give you an example of something. So everyone's walking around with their iPhones now, right? And all of a sudden, you get that ping for a text message, right? You get that, ooh, I got to look and see. What's going on? What's going on, right? And if you're talking to someone and you don't want to be rude, you you don't, you ignore it, right? Um, but then it pings again, right? Because it's like you didn't answer it. And, and once again, now you're getting this creeping feeling like I got to check what the text is, right? Yeah. Do you agree with? You don't have oh, to yeah. agree with me. Okay. Oh, no, 100%. Did Russia invade? You've got 10 scenarios going well, through your yeah, mind. Right. What's happening? Okay. So what happens, I found, is over years and years and years of this constant inflow of information, a constant decision-making, constant thinking about how does A affect B affect C affect D, it's almost like your mind is a computer and it's got a processing clock. And so your mind is running at a certain speed, okay? And that's what it takes to be successful, okay? But when you stop working, okay, that Monday morning when you turn on your Bloomberg and you turn on your email and you don't have 300 emails, okay, your brain's like, what's going on? What happened in Russia? What's where LIBOR set? What the, you know, what's that the DSMARCH euro dollar spread? And you know, like I don't, I don't know. I better, I better look. Wait a minute. I, why am I going to look? I don't do this anymore. Yeah. And it's a very, very unsettling feeling. Um, I found it personally overwhelming because keep in mind, thirty something years of trading. Okay thousands of positions, right? Millions of dollars a basis point, right? So I was dialed into this shit and then it just stopped. And I, there were a lot of mornings early on. It was really hard to get moving, literally get moving because your brain just isn't set up to have that kind of systemic change uh, over, overnight. And, and so th this may sound a little awkward, a little embarrassing, but I found for a few months, like I got up and I went and I like vacuumed the kitchen. I'm sure. Morning. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Yeah. It, it, I mean, you know me, like me vacuuming the kitchen floor, like <laughs> there's something yeah. very yeah. wrong. Right. 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 Understood. And I started losing some weight. And I, you may remember this. Before I went to bed, I would take a pint 
of Ben and Jerry's ice cream. I'd stick it in the microwave. Then I'd put it in the blender. I'd fill it up with whole milk, okay, and I'd chug it Mm -hmm. before I went to bed. And I was losing weight, right? And I was eating, I was riding. It's just like there's this huge change in your lifestyle. Yeah. And uh, fortunately, um, through realizing what I had seen other people who retired do and how that played out, I was able to, in relatively short order, get my shit together. Okay. Um, but it, it, it was not, this was not, uh, you know, magical. This was, this was a horrible experience. Now, now why do I? Did you think about coming back? No. You were out. I, 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 I was out. I knew that if I went back, I would never be able to leave. You'd be Willie. Yeah. Okay. You'd be I'd, Willie I'd be, Mays I'd, falling I'd, down I'd, in center field. I'd be stuck. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, so why do I talk about this somewhat maybe mildly uh, embarrassing personal experience? It's because the next big down for DJ Saul, okay, is zero. The next bid down for James Gorman is is zero, and you know, if they went left those jobs tomorrow, they'd lose their fucking mind. Okay, and uh, why I I don't understand the boards of directors feel compelled to pay these guys that much money. Our good friend of the show, Leslie Harris who uh, uh, had a comment, people confuse geography with intelligence. So let me break that down. There were any number of times when I was working, we heard about a great trader from Goldman, and we heard about a great trader from Solomon. I, I do actually have real-life examples, but I, I don't want to use the names because I... Mm-hmm, no mm-hmm. point. But we would effectively hire Babe Ruth because at XYZ firm, he hit, you know, 714 home runs. And then he came to us, which was Greenwich Capital, meritocracy, you eat what you kill, and, you know, F. Wow. Yeah, I don't think interesting. Were, I don't think, uh, I don't think we hired a single risk person from a bulge bracket firm that succeeded at Greenwich Capital. I I mean, I'm not going to bank my reputation on that. But yeah, but you can't think of one off the top of your head. Yeah, yeah, yeah. understood. But you can yeah. think of a bunch that washed out. Yeah. Yeah, and, and I know one guy, and this is kind of, this is, I can say this one because uh-huh. it's funny enough. There's one guy that had worked at a bulge bracket firm that they used to refer to him as the third guy from the left. <laughs> <laughs> that's tough, man. <laughs> that is un- <laughs> that's unfortunate. Yeah. Uh, accurate. Yeah, yeah, I understand. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. What do they call it, like a, a knuckle scratcher or something? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Knuckle but, dragger, uh, yeah. Yeah, he came in, was supposed to be a genius, and he dropped $300 million trading mortgages. and um, But, you know especially these guys at Goldman, okay? 
We have a uh, another friend of the show, uh, Anthony Peters, in London, who has a little bit of a bug up his ass about Goldman, um, rightly so. How they would walk into the room with the business card and they would be getting deals because they were in London. They call them Goldmans, but um, anyway, uh, you know they 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 get a lot of business because who's there? And, and and by the way, I get it. They are an incredibly diverse, well-connected firm, okay? But the way guys get to the top there, okay, my opinion, can't get sued for an opinion, can you? No, no, certainly not. Is that they're incredibly savvy politicians because what they do is they make alliances and then they wait for certain people in other gangs mm-hmm. within the firm to have weakness and then they they uh they gang up on them and they get them killed yeah. and that's that's how that works so i don't think that the guy running the firm there is uh any rocket scientist i just think the stars lined up for him that he was able to you know put himself in a position to usurp power and and then the way it's like any dictator the way this works i i read like the biographies whether it's you know, Hitler, Stalin, Mao, okay, these guys, they get control with a group of people, right? A group of, of co-conspirators. And then they surround themselves with these people. And then those people get benefits because they're close to the, the head of the organization. And then their job is to, to kill the other people to keep them from, yep. okay. So, so I'm not a fan of paying these guys a lot of money, but I don't own any stock in the firm, and uh, so that's just old man griping. But you know, you don't need to pay them that much money. Um, They're going to leave anyway because there's, you know, ex ex Goldman is 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 almost more important than being at Goldman. Once you once you it leave, could be. yeah, you that, know? yeah. Except when you've left, then you gotta you gotta make it happen. And I, you know, I don't uh, I don't see that happening too often. Um, so, you know, I, every time we get together, I, I like to have a kind of something to talk about, which is more of like a lesson rather than you and I just griping about shit. And um, so what occurred to me this week was about losing money. So uh, because I know that people don't, listen to us because they want to hear about financial stuff. They want to hear about cycling. I'm going to give this through a cycling example. Okay. So you're familiar with what's considered to be the world's hardest mountain bike race, the Leadville 100, right? Personally familiar. Yes. Okay. It's 104 miles where you gain 12,000 feet of elevation, which means you have to descend 12,000 feet. At 10,000. Yeah. At 10,000, remind the people. At 10,000, up to 12,000. But anyway, you're going up and down. Okay. And somewhere in the process, it occurred to me that, you know, if you can save 20 seconds going down, that's the same 20 seconds that you save going up, but it's a lot harder 
in terms of training to save the 20 seconds going up, right? So I got it in my head that at best, I was a poor descender. Okay. And I realized that I needed to, to work on this. Okay. Um, so uh, there's an area uh, near where Liam and I live. It's called Bear Mountain. And so typically what people do is they go up there and they start at the bottom and they ride to the top. And that takes, depending on where you start and how fast you go, it's between 12 and 20 minutes. Okay. And then people turn around and they descend and they go to the bottom and they turn around and they, they do repeats. And it's, it's very effective. It, it's misery. But it gets the job done, right? But as part of this discovery process, I realized that I could use this to become a better descender because it's very steep. Um, So what I did was I went to the top of Bear Mountain after these repeats, and I had read a bunch about how to descend, but then I had to put it into practice. So I worked at this and worked at this, and as Liam will testify, at the very top, it's very steep, and I don't know, maybe 500 yards into the descent, there's a 90-degree off-camber left-hand turn. If you blow through this turn and the rock boulders don't stop you, it's probably two, 300 feet down. Oh yeah. Okay. Easily. So it's a it's a gut check, right? So I would go to the top of this thing and I would be, okay, here we go. And initially, you know, I chickened out and I tapped the brakes and but after a while I started to get in the flow of how the bike wants you to tell it what to do and how to look through the turn and how to shift your weight from one side to the other. And I did this over and over and over again. And so there's a a cycling uh, uh, website, social media kind of thing called Strava. And so it times different segments. And so as an example, um, Keeping in mind, I've already admitted I was a shitty descender, okay? But by the time I got done with this, near the bottom of the Bear Mountain, there is a 100, you know where I'm going, right? There's a 180-degree turn. I mean, like an upside-down U, right? And there's traffic. And gravel. There's and gravel. always gravel. And there's always fucking gravel. Okay. So by the time I got done, uh, there are 18,931 attempts people have made on this. Okay. No, no, no. 18,000 people and probably millions of attempts. Yes. Yeah, you're, Eight- okay. Okay. So 18,931 people. Correct. Okay. I'm number 1,055, okay? <laughs> old, old, old chestnut 
Mr. 61 years old. But wait, there's more. Okay. Not only do I know where I placed in that, uh, I know my time. So let me let me guess. No, 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 no. Yeah, I get to it. I get to it. Let me, I got this thing mapped out. Go ahead. So the king of the mountain, the fastest time, okay, the fastest time anyone's done this. This includes Tour de France pros, the yep. whole thing. The you race know, the, that goes through there. The, the best riders in the world. So the best time anyone has ever done since the invention of Strava is 26 seconds. <laughs> okay. Liam Allen, host of Inside Baseball with Old Chestnut, 29 seconds. <laughs> okay. MB Sachs, Old Chestnut, 31 seconds. Okay. So, and just for those of you keeping score at home, my good pal, uh, Jay Liddell came in at 29 seconds and you're ready for this. And I can understand this cause he's a good looking guy. He's a lovely wife and he's got a small child. Uh, Chris DeLuco came in at 33 seconds. So <laughs> I'm two seconds faster than Chris. DeLuco. Uh, with the day you did it, I emailed you and I said, what the fuck are you doing? Because <laughs> I didn't know what you were doing. I didn't know you were working on it. And yeah. I see it come up and I see your time. <laughs> That's a really dangerous, risky section. I don't want you doing that again. Okay, no, let me I'm say good. that. I'm, All right. I'm, I'm good. Why do I, Why do I bring this up other than to show off? Well, first show off, right? Because that's what the media department wants. Mm -hmm. But one is, you if you work at this stuff, okay, you're going to get better. And that, that includes with tra trading. The other thing I wanted to point out was trading like cycling, okay? There's a lot of things that go on. And what we've seen, especially in... I. I think this is going to be the last week I'm going to pick on Kathy Wood because I'm getting a little tired of it. But um, in trading, there's a lot of things you got to do to get right. Okay. That's the difference between being a trader and an analyst. So a um, long time ago, she talked about how they use uh, liquid technology stocks is their cash, right? And I remember whether it was on the show, Liam, or whether we talked about privately, I'm like, that's just, that's just being a chucklehead. And I bring it up in this notion of the, of this concept of losing money, or I use the, the descending concept as, you know, trying to improve your weakness, that whether you make money because you get the stock right, or whether you save money because you cut your losses, in the end, that's what you're after is to have the best result, right? Yep. And so what I've noticed uh, with her in particular, uh, and this is a bit of a leap of faith, and I'm, I was going to say I'm too lazy, but I don't have the skill set. But she, she, talked recently about how they augment their returns by trading around in the volatility. Okay. And she referenced, uh, you know, we increased the return of the portfolio by 125 basis points by trading the Tesla. Okay. 
Well, 125 basis points is great when you're trying to make 125 basis points. When your stock got cut in half, it doesn't move the needle, right? And, And what I would be very interested to know is how much she's lost by trading her position around because what I suspect has happened, and, and once again, our podcast, just an opinion, but what bad traders do, and I think I said this not that long ago, is they'll take the good trades and they'll use the profit in the good trades to offset the loss in the bad trades. So um, I don't have that list, but the other, a couple of weeks ago you read, and we don't need to go through it now, but you read her, the stocks, and this is down 80%. So she nailed the Tesla thing. And so she sells Tesla, and then she buys other stuff. And like I said, I don't have the the skill set or the patience, but it would be an interesting calculation to know uh, what they've done in terms of uh, either creating value or destroying value. Um, Very often, I like to compare trading to war. And once again, I beg your indulgence, not comparing the loss of life to money. You've anything been like very that. clear. It's, it's You've just, been very clear about I that. I have such respect yes. for the yep. decision making and the discipline. Okay. So, as I understand it through listening to and reading a lot of Winston Churchill stuff, it's typical when an opposing force attacks you. Okay. What happens is there'll be an initial assault and they may make some progress. Okay. But the idea is, once they make some progress, they need to take some time to regroup, resupply, and fortify their position. And at that point, the idea is you have forces in reserve called a strategic reserve, and you would have a a counterattack because while they're busy resupplying, their attention is elsewhere, and you'd be able to gain the ground that you lost. Okay. Why do I bring that up? Well, in trading, you always want to keep something to take advantage of a situation that appears. And uh, if you have stuff that is not cash, you you can't assume that you're going to be able to liquidate other parts of your portfolio to take advantage of that situation. And so with what she's done by owning you know, everything hasn't given herself any room to, to maneuver. Okay. Um, this concept of losing money got beat into me pretty early because, you know, I've said, I think in the past through luck, fate, or maybe skill, I ended up managing people, managing traders at a very early age. And because of that, just the way chronology is, most of the people I managed were older than me. And so it got to be, well, it didn't get to be, there would be a time where I'd have to have that conversation with somebody. And so I would be 27 or 28 with a guy who's like in his 35s or 40s. And I'd have to tell him the position's coming down, or you got to cut the position, or what are you going to do? And it just felt, it was just, incredibly stressful for me. And 
initially what would happen would be I'd go in and say, look, I, I'm not crazy about this. You're losing money. I think we should do this. And the first few times uh, I got pushed back and I got a story and I was intimidated and I'm like, oh, okay, well, yeah, well, let's just hang with it, right? And it just, it never worked. It always got worse. And I finally concluded that if I was going to survive at this thing, I had to, I had to yeah. get my shit together. And 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 what I did was, uh, I attempted, like I do with most things, to try and take the emotion out of it. And the way I did that was, I I just had numbers, and so if somebody lost a certain amount of money, either in a certain amount of time or a certain amount over a longer period of time, I had already had these discussions with them ahead of time. So when I went into the meeting, I could almost good cop, bad cop myself, right? I'm the good cop. It's like, I wish I could. As much as I want to. As much as I want to, I could say, but that guy Morris, the other Morris who told you these things ahead of time, that's just how it works. And I found that to be uh, very uh, helpful for me, both in terms of bolstering my confidence as a manager, and then it just makes sense from a profitability standpoint, right? So what I see with her is, you know, it's just story after story after story. And, you know, we're, we're making sure our logic is still good. And, you know, I just... That just that setup is not that is not set up to go. You know what? We fucked up, right? It's like people don't understand. Or dub- they she doubles down on and it. It's though. a the story. Yeah, yeah. So once again, I I, I go back to uh, my good friend Leslie when we would be trading, and Leslie would be the first one who tell you this this was detrimental to his career. Um, maybe to his, but not to mine. <laughs> he He's always the guy that would cry bullshit. And, you know, you need those people. Yep. Um, and I just see her surrounded with a bunch of people saying, oh, yeah, you're right, the market's yeah, dude, wrong. that's what I mean about no wrong decisions. Like, who pushes back against, like, who who says David Solomon? No, that's bullshit. Like that's not going to work. You're doing it wrong. Like who who who's well, who down at West yeah. Street's doing that to him? Well, He's, maybe at one point his wife, but they got rid of her. Jeez, sorry. Right, well, no. Why not? No. Yeah. Nah. Um, dude, you brought up Tesla and you brought up the stories. Though that is one story that is just the gift that keeps on giving, dude. Can we talk about the full self-driving thing that he's been promising through two since two thousand sixteen, or the cyber truck that was supposed to be here? There's like one that doesn't run. That's that's a story, dude. There's been a lot of stories and story, yeah. and dude, she's she plays a big part in that. She, that's her baby. You know, they talk about the robo taxis, but like the idea that there's going to be full self-driving by the end of this year. I think uh, there are some people that underpromise and overperform. I'd like to think we're those kind of guys, and then there are people that overpromise and underperform. Okay. And uh, so, you know, I have that Porsche, right? And um, 
the the beater. I, yeah, the beater. Banged up rims, body damage. <laughs> oh, I think that's been repaired. He um, thinks it's been repaired. Dude, I was Fucks. scrambling. Dude, I was scrambling to get the fucking heat turned on here. Okay. Cheryl's like, I think it's cold in this side of the house. I'm like, yeah, I know. I'll, I'll take care of it. And so here's, here's, no one's going to care about this, but pretend. Okay. Yeah. So I call up the oil company. And the way it works out east, which was new to me, because in the Midwest it doesn't roll this way, most people have oil heat. And oil heat is dirty because it burns and there's residue. And so these heaters, they go out quite regularly. So part of the deal is you buy your oil from the oil company, and they charge you 200 bucks a year, and they come out, and they clean it once or twice, and then they have the 24-hour emergency service. Okay. So it's like nine o'clock at night last night. And now I'm realizing the temperature's dropping. And so this house is got asbestos insulation. Mm-hmm. Okay. So when it's warm, it mm-hmm. stays warm. But once it gets cold, it's freaking ice cold, right? Yeah. Okay. So I, I realize this is going south in a hurry. So I call up the oil company. And uh, they're like, is this an emergency? I'm like, well, <laughs> I'm like. Yeah, you gave the wrong answer, right? Like, no one's going to die. <laughs> um, I said, but I'll tell you what. If there's a guy noodling around, see if he can stop by, right? Because they're in this weather, you know, there are, yeah. there are yeah. trucks all over. Okay. Yeah. So some guy calls me at like 11 o'clock at night. And he's like. Uh, you got an emergency? I said, well, <laughs> we haven't had heat on in the house in three days. I said, if you're nearby, it'd be great if you come by. If not, I understand. He's like, I'm up in Monroe, Connecticut. <laughs> and the roads were icy. And I'm yeah. like, you know what? Well, we'll be fine. So I, I actually got a ski cap, put it on my head, climbed into the bed and went to sleep. <laughs> right. So I wake up this morning, the house is cold and, uh, now I'm in a bad mood because like you're fucking old retired rich guy <laughs> yeah. and there's no heat in the house. No heat what, in the what's house. wrong yeah. with this picture, right? Right, right, right. And I was like, call up the oil company and uh, is this an emergency? <laughs> Listen, no one's going to die, but I haven't had heat in the house in three days. And if you don't come today, it'll be four and a half days because you're not coming until Monday afternoon. Yeah. And she's like, well, you know, if it's not under warranty, there's going to be, oh, I'm just send, just send the fucking guy. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah, yeah. Anyway, he came and um, the furnace is going. So that's improved okay. my mood. And I don't know how I got to Kathy Wood losing money to no heat in the house. but um, <laughs> Managing so, the losses. <laughs> okay. So there are things people do when they lose money. Okay. And it's completely understandable, Right. I've lost as much money as anybody. I'm telling you. I mean, in net, not net, but you know, I've taken some pretty big wax. And I can tell you, if you haven't experienced it yourself, number one, you haven't been around long enough. But it is a nauseating, gut wrenching experience. 
And there were times where uh, we were too big to get out of a position and we were wrong. And I had this mental image of me being in a barrel rolling downhill. And I know that I'm only getting out of that barrel when the hill decides it's had enough of me, okay? And it's an incredibly helpless feeling because there's nothing you can do. I mean, I know that's a silly metaphor, but if you've got, you know, five billion five-year notes and they're going down, don't even bother hitting a bid because you're just going to push the prices on yourself, right? But what I've seen is instead of doing the logical thing, which is backing away, collecting yourself, and trying to ascertain what are your best options, people will start doing all sorts of weird shit. They'll be trying to average down. You know, they'll be putting on a, a curve trade, saying, well, if the curve does this, I'll get my money back. This is where and the psychology gets fascinating. To to watch. Oh yeah, absolutely. <laughs> the experiencing of it is not so great. No, the experience too is is it's the mental gymnastics. But like having you doing it on that scale, but me even me did yeah. The, the well, it's no, it's one scale or another, right? Because whatever you have, okay, it's material to mm -hmm. you. Mm -hmm. That's oh, yeah. always the thing when people will talk to me. It's like, well, you know, I don't manage the position size like you do. I'm like, well. It, it doesn't matter doesn't because matter, it's all right. relevant to you, which is why I, I don't talk about position sizes with people because what's the difference? It's the same it's, psychological It's only going to make you feel yep. better yep. or it ain't going to make you feel better. Right. Um, but instead of Ms. Wood saying, you know what? There's something going on here we don't understand. We're going to step aside. We're going to let the dust settle and we're going to reevaluate She's out telling everyone why they're wrong. Okay. Well, uh, sorry, darling. That dog don't hunt. And uh, all, all you're doing is pointing out to people that you may or may not be a good analyst, but you definitely don't know how to run a business. And so when we talk about descending on a bike, right, there's things you need to learn how to do and you need to practice. What I've discovered with a lot of these deep thinking analyst type is they may or may not get the call right on the security, but there's this whole world of the financial markets and then the gearing that goes into them that they don't understand. And um, so I, I want to get to someone asked about which research we, we look at. This reminds me to talk about the first one, which is Kevin Muir's blog. What I like about Kevin Muir's blog, and by the way, it's not for everybody, okay? But what Kevin does very adroitly is he explains a lot of this, the way the gears in the market work, which to somebody like myself, who that's in a lot of ways their bread and butter, I think it's really, really good. So, uh, a number of years ago, we were at a cocktail party, and I met a guy. I don't want to use his name, uh, but let's just say 
highest level of intellect, international renowned. <clears throat> and we were chatting, and uh, he was telling me how they were doing an ESG fund. This is like five or six years ago. Okay. And he's like, I'm like, how you doing? He goes, oh, we're killing it. Oh, so tell me how it works. He goes, well, we, we have some sorts of things, the way we look at how people are viewed in the newspaper and those that are favorably viewed amongst different measures we, we buy. And then there's those that are poorly viewed and we short those. I said, oh, that's, that's really interesting. Um, so I'm curious, when you short a security, does your um, broker, does your prime broker give you the cash to invest? And he's like, w what do you mean? I said, well, the way it works is if you short a stock, they go, they borrow it, they deliver the stock, and the buyer of the stock gives you the cash. Now, that's, that's your cash, and you can earn interest on it. Okay. Not only did he not know whether he was getting that, he didn't even know what the fuck I was talking about. Now, is that a big deal? Well, is 20 seconds going up Columbine any different than 20 seconds going down Columbine? You're with me, right? And so when I look at these people that are analysts who become great money managers, I just wonder how much of this stuff that they understand. Because uh, when you look at how we did over the years, and not that long ago I sent you our p and mm -hmm. which I, I, I don't want to post, but, I mean, it was insane, right? Mm -hmm. The reason we accomplished that was we never missed an opportunity to incrementally improve our position. So, for instance, if we shorted something, we made sure that our borrowing was at the best rate. You, for, uh, When you use futures contracts, there's cash flows. There's way margin flows if you short an option. So, for instance, if, God forbid, Liam, you go short an option and uh, the option goes against you, they will take cash out of your account to support the short, right? I don't know about stocks, but I know in futures, you don't have to deliver cash. You can post collateral. That's a big deal. Mm -hmm. um, there's, I don't want to say dozens, but there's many of these things that go on in the markets that the professionals know about. And it's it really comes down to that edge like in the casinos, right? If they win 50.5% of the time. So, I don't know. I'm really not doing as good a job consolidating this concept as I'd like to. But I, I think the long and the short of it is, uh, if you're having a bad go trading, and I'm not talking about investing. We're not talking about your 13 stocks or money for IRAs. But if you're like the professional trader and things aren't going your way, to be flat is a position too. Okay, there's any number of times. This is this. This you can make fun of me. So, when I was trading at Greenwich, when I was writing the tickets, 
we would go, I would go through long phases where we would just lose money day after day after day. And it was typically early in a cycle when we're building positions. And after a while, I'd be like, I just fucking had enough. And I, I said, I'm going to go up, walk up to Greenwich Avenue, and I'm not coming back to my desk till I spend $1,000. This is back when $1,000 meant something, right? Mm-hmm. And so after a while, uh, Shell says, come with me. And, and we walk into my closet. And there's a stack of clothes all <laughs> with the fucking tags on it. Because I would <laughs> buy this stuff. <laughs> and I'd never wear it. So... Um, uh, yeah, and, and I don't know what the point of that was, but I would get up and I'd go for a walk because it's like you're not doing any good. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Um, and it's uh, hard to do that though. It's hard to walk away because you know. Oh. It, oh. Turn off your cell phone for an hour. How 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 hard is that? Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Um, I don't know. Research. Okay, this is the research. I, I'll tell the research I like, and then you can talk about what you like. Okay. So I, I've already talked about. Uh, Kevin Muir's The Macro Tourist. Um, I'm going to give the, the the good, the bad, the ugly in this stuff, okay? I think Kevin's is an outstanding newsletter. I think it's 350 bucks a month. I think that's so cheap for what he's giving yeah, you. Yeah, that's, that's... Okay, yeah. all right. All right. Um, but I don't think it's for everybody, okay? I think that you have to have some interest and the mechanism of the market, okay, uh, as you and I do, um, so I'm, I'm, I'm good with that. But I've had people who I like say, I listen to your podcast, but when you start talking about the interest rate stuff, my eyes glaze over. Okay. Well, that, that kind of person's not going to get anything out of okay. Yep. So that's sort of um, my favorite. There is one that is called 13D. It's by Carol Sokoloff. That is prohibitively expensive. I want to say that's between five and ten thousand dollars a year. Yeah. Um, I like that because he just has a good sense of the macro trend over multiple years, which I think is which is valuable. Um, I like the Gave Cal stuff. Once again, in most instances, prohibitively expensive. I think that's six to ten thousand bucks a year. Um, that's pretty good. Uh, I would never claim that's value for money. They have a pretty good long-term macro sense. Um, Lynn Alden has a free newsletter. Uh, she's got like. Uh, you know, whiz bang one for like 300 bucks a year, 350 bucks a year. I think that for a person just starting out or learning about the markets, that might be a good place to go because she does a nice combination of macroeconomic explanation, talking about individual stocks and then position management. I think that one's particularly good. Um, I'm a big fan of uh, Jim Grant, Grant's newsletter. Um, that's not terribly expensive. I think that's 500 bucks a year. That's must read stuff for me. Like that's not, you know, Kevin's stuff is, Kevin's might take you 20 minutes to read his new letter. If you, you know, if you really 
you know. But Kevin's is good regularly. You have to be. I think if you read that regularly, it it, it appeals more to you. And as you as you read it and become a macro tourist, then it re- then you really get hooked into it. Um, yeah. But Grant Grant's is good, man. He yeah. that, that's a good can, independent. Right. Yeah. Um, I have a Bloomberg machine, which is two thousand bucks a month or something. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I and I think to the average guy, these are all really big numbers. Uh, I mean, they are. There's no doubt about it. But I look at it from a couple of perspectives. One is, uh, to me, that entire sum of money, if I can find one trade a year, mm-hmm. uh, then, then, oh. then it's yep. going to pay for itself. Um, so I don't... Uh, you know, I don't mind uh, doing it. I would uh, like to use this opportunity to uh, slam Rosenberg Research. Um, what a grand disappointment because I read him for years, okay? And um, somebody I, I, I worked with had a, had a saying, which I'm, it may upset people, I apologize, but he would say, pretty Pretty girls want to be smart, and smart girls want to be pretty. Okay. Dave Rosenberg wants to be a strategist trader. Okay. At that, he sucks, full stop. As an economist, I think he's spectacular. But I stopped paying the 3000 bucks a year to read it for two reasons. One is him blowing smoke up everyone's ass about how right he was about the global financial crisis 20 years ago and 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 this is this is going to sound terrible but let's just keep it between us so i contact a lot of these newsletter guys like i'll have a question or i'll call them up or whatever and for whatever reason they return the emails or they take the phone calls and you know i mean if i'm going to pay a guy 10 grand then he could mm-hmm. answer a fucking email once in a while mm-hmm. right? and, and and they do, and they're nice about it. And, and many of these guys, you know, whether it's the 13D guy or Jim Grant or whatever, I mean, we have dialogue now, and it's it's really great. I sent a note to Rosenberg, and I got the I got the, you know, the the junior person telling me about how busy Mr. Rosenberg is. I'm like, okay, great, fuck you, <laughs> I'm busy too. <laughs> and then uh, recently, uh, somebody sent me this thing how. Uh, they have this thing called the strategizer. And I think I posted one months ago on the website where he was telling about how they called the low and they called the high. Apparently recently he just claimed he called the high in the stock market. I'm like, okay. okay. Yeah. You run and play. Mm-hmm. So, uh, if, you, almost- if you, do- no, no, no. If you don't want to play a nickel for research. Okay. And this is going to infuriate you, but you can get, you want new ideas, you want count, you want people to counter your opinion and you want it for free. You go on Twitter. Okay? And skip the cat videos and skip the girls gone wild or the high speed chases and the trash that Morris hates on Twitter. And go to somebody like Kevin or the Macro Taurus or go to Lynn Alden and go to see who they follow. And then follow those people. All right. And they'll and you can spend two hours a day reading charts, ideas, trades, 
research. It's all there. If you can get through the garbage, you can find ideas and you can find both sides of the argument. Okay. Because sometimes with, sometimes with the research, you don't get a counter opinion. All right. Sometimes the best part of Twitter, I hate to say it can be the comments. Lynn posts an idea. Here's my da, 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 da. And you'll have 20 mouth breathing knuckle draggers with their idea, with their smart ass answer that, you know, you gotta, you gotta skip past Bitcoin fixes this or you're not going to make it, but there is a vast amount of information available on that hell site. If you want to look for it and it's free, you know, but like anything that's free, go ahead. I, I listened to what you said last week. And I went to that internet browser, uh, Google, mm-hmm. and I clicked on images and I typed cats. And there's a lot of cats. I saw pictures oh, yeah. of a lot of cats. All right, listen to this. All right. <laughs> this is this has gotta be I hate to say it, it's probably twenty years now. Twenty years ago I'm in an apartment. I'm downtown Manhattan, fancy party, nice building, much like our fish friend. It's just the same thing, you know? And I'm like, oh, what do you you know, talking to these guys, what do you guys do? We're running a website. Okay, yeah, cool. What's on your website? They looked at me with a straight face, these three bros, and they said, cats. (laughs) They ran some sort of, it must have been like a cat Facebook page or a cat Instagram page back. This is when, you know, the internet was brimming with new, new content. Dude, they became vastly wealthy selling it off or whatever it was. And they, yeah, they based their, their, the idea was people like pictures of cats on the internet. It's amazing. Yeah. Go figure. Uh, you know, I uh, we're, unfortunately, I think we're out of time. I wanted to talk a little bit about the Fed and the, go ahead. The, what the, it's so Sunday afternoon? You got somewhere to be? I'm very important. <laughs> go on, talk about the Fed. Just very quickly, uh, one of the Fed guys was talking about they could go fifty. Who Bostic? Yeah. Um, okay. I mean, good. Please talk about this. Well, I mean, it's one of these things that. Uh, I don't think people understand. The Fed's going to do what the Fed wants to do. People get into this mode that they got to wait for meetings or they're going to they're going to give us a warning or or whatever. I mean, they'd like to, okay? I wouldn't expect them to go 50 basis points in the first tightening they've had in a long period of time. But it's possible and and even if they don't go 50 the threat of 50 is there. March. Yeah. And if it's not 50 in March, it could be 50 in the following meeting. But once again, you saw the two-year note back up from 1% to 120. And for those of you that are the, you know, when we talk about the financial stuff, my eyes glaze over, no disrespect. The reason I talk about the two-year note is my training is based on the front end And the way I was taught to do this is you look at the federal funds rate and you compare it to the two-year note. And so when you're in certain modes, easing, tightening, you kind of develop an attitude of where the two-year note's supposed to be in relation to where you expect the funds rate to be. So uh, without talking about forward curves and this and that, if you think the funds rate's going to be 3% at the end of the year, a 120 two-year note rate, is not doesn't offer a lot of value, and uh, stock guys like we talked about last week, the Didier Doucette talk about how when you're 
discounting cash flows, stocks could have a pretty significant drop in value if you increase that interest rate or discount rate, whatever you want to call it. So um, I expect there to be continued volatility in the markets. You even saw that once famous firm Bridgewater saying they they could see the Fed put being 20 or 30 percent below where we're at. And I mean, I don't I don't know where it is, but it's a function of velocity, right? Distance and speed. So um, I, I sent you, Liam, a copy of a note I sent to Leslie and Kevin Friday morning, which is I wouldn't be surprised to see a huge short squeeze today, especially near the end of the day. And so uh, we got that. And what I was getting ready to do was sort of my old Tim Adias trade, and I was pricing up puts to buy on the close Friday that would last for like two or three days, thinking guys got squeezed into the close Friday afternoon. Yeah. And then by the time they had a chance to get their shit together over the weekend and come in and start pounding again during the week, the puts would make a bunch of money. And then I'd just like, S- just stop. <laughs> just, you know, just grow up. <laughs> and so I didn't do anything. But, uh, I wouldn't be surprised to see the market. I was going to say, I'll talk to you on Monday. <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised to see the stuff stay under pressure for some period of time. So we'll see. All right. Thanks, pal. See, that's the good stuff. See, see, if you stuck around to the end, you know, um, because you, you can we talk about 4350? You talked about that so long ago about how what happens around that number and all week long they knuckled around that 4350, yeah, 4350, 4400. Yeah. yeah. And, and we're back, and here we are back at it, you know. I, I really want to buy the market. I really, 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 really want to buy the stock market. And uh, where does it have to get? Can you tell me? Yeah, it's 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 at least fifteen percent lower than here. Still, okay. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I don't know. That's today. I was um, going to say, it's but today. I'm really waiting on two people. Uh, one is uh, my fish friend, snowboard fan. When he says go, well, when he says it's okay, right? I'm not like interesting. I'm not. Yeah, yeah, the, yeah. You know, I do what I'm told. But there are certain kind of benchmark or, you know, sea level kind of things. And then, uh, you know, my friend Leslie, who's who's really, really good with understanding the long-term picture for stocks. But, you know, if, if you look, I believe if you drew a matrix, the worst environment for stocks is inflation, a tightening Federal Reserve, and a slowing economy. That's like the the worst place to own equities. It's your and that's, triangle, yeah. that's where we're at. Yeah. So they're not the Fed is not done uh, tightening. It, it, once again, let me just grab another two minutes because Powell said something in here which I think is vitally important. He talked you know, for months. He was talking about they wanted to get the employment rate down because the people being hurt were the ones least able to afford it. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, right? yeah. Okay. Yeah, oh, yeah. Now he's talking about inflation hurting the people most who are least able to afford it. So now the unemployment is no longer his focus. It's inflation. And I think that's, I think that's key. So anyway, I've, you know, I've got a uh, interview with Becky quick, so I'm going to have to. Goodbye. I'll see you on, <laughs> see you on Monday to talk about those puts that you bailed on. <laughs> have a great weekend, pal. All right, pal. Cheers.